Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi. You're on the air. Hi, you're on the air. Hi, you're on the air with Patricia Adams Live, and our special guest is Jim McCarthy, author of Live Each Day and TEDx Speaker, and an overcomer of life difficult topics and times of cancer. Jim is a Stanford MBA. He's a successful career in Silicon Valley, but a cancer diagnosis suddenly changed his life forcing him to ask questions such as, how much longer will I live? What do I need to repair in my relationships? How can I use my work to help others? What, after all, would make me happy? Since then, Jim has spent years studying the latest in neuroscience and psychology in an effort to understand what helps people thrive with abundant pleasure, purpose, and peace. And in his conclusion, he found that happiness is a skill that you can develop. And what qualifies him to do this? Jim has worked as an English teacher in Frankfurt, a business journalist in Madrid, a phone salesman in the Bay Area, and a McKinsey consultant in Munich. After earning his MBA at Stanford in 1996, Jim spent almost 20 years in executive roles at pioneering Silicon Valley companies such as Yahoo, well, he was employee number 258 on February 5th, 2013. His doctor, <laughs> Yay, called him up and told him he had cancer. He's grateful to say that his health these days seems good, but the experience of receiving this diagnosis forced him to face his mortality and think about his legacy. His talks aren't just inspirational. Participants take away practical strategies, science-based insights, and daily action plans to lower their stress, boost their confidence, and create that magical moment of the 1%. Thank you, Jim, for being on the show. And I am so glad that, yes, you found your magical moment and you found that 1% of what it took for you to stay here and share with us about how you overcame the cancer diagnosis, because it's one thing to be diagnosed, and it's another thing to defeat it, overcome it, live through it, and thrive after it. I've witnessed a lot I'm, of my friends. Thank you. I'm delighted to be on your yeah. show. I, 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 appreciate, I appreciate the opportunity, Patricia. Thank you. And it's really an honor. I mean, a TEDx speaker, yay me! <laughs> yay, yay, yes. 
The name of my talk was called What, what Cancer Taught Me About Happiness. I did that for TEDx Oakland last November. And, of course, your listeners can, uh, can search for that and find that on the web. And uh, it's, it's a very short talk, just a little over six minutes long. But uh, it, I did talk a little bit about what the cancer diagnosis meant to me and, and what that meant for me understanding how to live my life with more, more purpose, but also enjoy my life more along the way. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to live this life abundantly. And I did listen to your TEDx speaker. You have two TEDx uh, videos on YouTube. So anybody who's looking for him on TEDx, I believe I embedded it on the speaker platform. But at the same time, if you go to YouTube and you type in Jim McCarthy or you type in what cancer taught me about happiness, or you type in TEDx and Jim McCarthy, you will find his video from TEDx Oakland. And I listened to it and I was moved. I've had many friends and coworkers who have battled with cancer, some who have lost the battle, but definitely there's something about the way that you perceive it. And, and I don't have that experience, but I, the people that I've seen who have overcome and defeated cancer, it's really something inside of you kicks in. And for some yeah. reason, it yeah. seems to change on a cellular level. Everything, it just changes on a cellular level. It, it doesn't matter what you believe, who you believe, whatever, but when you reach that point. So what can you say about that? Because I know you probably saw other people around you battling cancer that didn't make it, but here you are and you're still here and you're still healthy and you're thriving and you're impacting people and you're leaving your legacy. So what do you believe was that turning point in your life that puts you in a position to be able to overcome cancer? Yeah, so thank you for asking. So, you know, I, I've i been very lucky in my life uh, coming from a, a wonderful family with loving parents and siblings and, uh, you know, had the opportunity to get a great education and have a, have a very fortunate career here in Silicon Valley. But a little over six years ago, my, my doctors started doing some tests and then they did some blood work and then they decided to do a, a biopsy on my, on my prostate. And uh, the doctor called me up one, one Tuesday afternoon out of the blue and said, Hey, Jim, we, uh, we found cancer in the biopsy results. And um, now the survival rate is very, very good for someone in your situation. And even though he was meaning to comfort me or relax me or not scare me too much, Whenever someone says survival rate, you immediately start thinking, okay, well, even if it's a 99% survival rate, that means that some people are dying from this. Um, and so that really freaked me out. And that was, that was the first time in my life that I ever felt on a really gut level that I was going to die. Uh, we all know we're going to die on some sort of intellectual level. But this is the first time I realized on a, on a real visceral level that that the skin someday would be just as cold as, as this desk where I'm standing right now. So, so that really freaked me out. And I, I cried and I called my mom and dad and my siblings. And, and then I started writing a whole series of questions uh, to ask myself um, about 
how long am I going to live? Who's going to be there at my deathbed? What are my regrets? What do I need to repair in my life? And, uh, and from that, uh, I thought, okay, I've, as, as things sort of settled in over the, over the final, the, the next week or so, I thought, you know, I've, I've always wanted to be a motivational speaker. I've never had the courage to try. Why don't I just get out there and see if there's a talk that I can give to anybody about this experience of getting cancer that um, might be useful. And so I started speaking in public about it and people seem to really like the message and my process of having people reflect on their own mortality and that's evolved into the happiness workshops and the happiness keynotes that I, that I now deliver around the U.S. and, and even internationally. Um, so that's, that's a quick summary. But, I'm, Patricia, I'm, I'm happy to go in a little bit more detail about, about what the diagnosis was and kind of what my, what my health situation is, if, if you'd like me to spend a couple of minutes on that. I would because I believe that it's important, especially for men, um, because men don't aren't always transparent about this and if you're willing to share that I would love it because I know that I do have an audience that's made up of men as well so please feel free to share whatever you feel comfortable sharing thank you sure so so I'm um, so I was uh, for for a variety of reasons my doctor thought that I should have my my prostate checked and um, and I'm at the at the time of the diagnosis I was 49 years old. So right now I'm 55 years old. And uh, through the through the biopsy, the doctor found cancer. Now, as as some of people in your audience will know, uh, prostate cancer is a very common form of cancer in men. Um, and if it's caught early enough, it's it's very treatable, and the survival rates are extremely high. Um, on the other hand, for, for there's, there's some strains which are quite aggressive. There's some that are not so aggressive, and they grow very, very slowly. Um, unfortunately, for the, for the men where it's caught too late and where it's the aggressive kind, about 24,000 men in the U.S. die of prostate cancer or cancers related to that um, every year. Uh, and obviously, that is, that's a tragic number. Um, now, I should, I should just explain, I'm, I'm not a physician. I'm not an MD. Uh, and I'm and I'm not giving medical advice, but I am just talking about my own experience here. Um, so, so my urologist who called me up, he said, "We we found cancer. You're young, you're strong, and you're 49 years old. So we should do surgery and and re- remove your prostate. Um, uh, and your survival rate should be very very high in this situation. Um, but as part of the the protocol, they also had me talk a week later to a different urologist and a different radiation oncologist." And when I talked to them, one of them said, well, you know, we could, we could, do, the, we could do the surgery, but there's like almost a 50% chance you'll, you'll never be able to get an erection again. And Viagra doesn't help that. Um, and I didn't, I didn't like those odds. <laughs> I didn't like those odds at all. Um, and then the doctor said, or, you know, we could just do nothing and see if you heal yourself holistically. This is sometimes called watchful waiting or uh, active surveillance is more of a, a more um, newer term that they use for this. And, um, and then the other radiation oncologist said, well, we could, we could plant radiation seeds in your prostate, but there's a risk that you'll get other kinds of cancers from all that radiation right in the middle of your body. Um, or you could also just do the active surveillance and see how it goes. So I, up until that time, 
my work had been extremely stressful. I was working literally 70, 80 hours a week. Um, I'd been through, I'd been going through a very, very difficult and contentious divorce. Um, the woman I was dating the week before broke up with me and, uh, and it was a very, very hard and stressful time in my life. And I think we all know that when we're very stressed, we are much more susceptible to all sorts of illnesses and diseases. Um, now, so I kind of thought, you know, let me see what I can do to, um, uh, uh, let me see what I can do to reduce my stress, get more sleep, eat healthier, do more meditation, uh, spend more time in nature, really take great care of myself, and only, only do work that I find purposeful and meaningful and not work for people anymore that I really don't like or respect. And, and I did all of that, and in my subsequent blood tests and subsequent biopsies over the last um, six years, uh, I guess you could say the cancer is in remission. I mean, technically, I still have it, um, but there's every reason to believe that I'm taking great care of my health, and at this stage, there's no need for surgery or radiation um, or any sort of treatment other than just sort of holistically taking great care of my health, and that's worked for me. That may not work for all of our listeners uh, who might find themselves in a very similar situation, but, uh, but that's, that's what so far has worked really well for me. I want to tell you that that was very powerful. <laughs> Thanks. That was very powerful. It was like my eyes were like, wow. Thank you so much for being so transparent. And oh, I sure. hope that any men who are out there listening to this, um, I know I think age 30 and above, please, please, please make this a priority in your yeah, life. Yeah, and I mean, for, I for all of us, whether... Sorry, Patricia, for interrupting. I mean, if, for all of us, I mean, whether it's women getting, uh, you know, breast breast cancer screening, or any of this sort of preventative health care, you know, some people it's like, oh, I, I don't know, I don't want to know. But that that is that is not a very proactive way to uh, to live your life. And and you know, I, I mean, I'm glad that I that I I mean, part of what's funny, I mean, this is sort of a separate message, but. I'm very grateful that I got my cancer diagnosis because that was the wake up call that I needed in my life to say, Hey Jim, you are not going to live forever. Um, even if you live another 50 years, that 50 years is going to go by fast. And uh, there's no more time to mess around. There's no more time to do work. You don't care about. There's no more time to not invest in your family and friends and community and really uh, focus on relationships and try to leave a legacy that you're proud of. And I think many people act like they're going to live forever and suddenly before they know it, you know, they've got six months to live or they're in their 80s and it's, it's too late. To undo, you've lost decades of time. So this, this cancer diagnosis, even though I haven't been treated, I've never felt like, you know, my life is on the line or I've only got a couple of months to live. But feeling my mortality for the first time really forced me to think much more um, carefully and with intention and mindfulness about how I live each day. And I know that when you talk about mindfulness, there is this magical 1% that you talk about in your book. 
And right. it is like in chapter 15 and 16, but you have a lot of activities for people to do. And they are very valuable activities to do. And really, I don't think that doing them once is, is justice. I think it's a habit that probably should be adopted as well. But when I go into look into the magical 1%, and you said this came about because you were reading, thinking, and writing, and you were trying to find the practice that you needed to put yourself into position to focus on you. And it's only, I mean, you started out with 10 minutes a day Mm -hmm. of your waking time, and I thought, that's that's really powerful. That's really powerful. With just 10 minutes a day, you said these are things that you can be doing in 10 minutes. So would you talk about Chapter 15, The Magical 1%, please? Absolutely, yeah. So so it's funny because, you know, in, in in our day and age, this, this you know, the, the 1%, the term 1%, people are thinking about, okay, the wealthiest 1% of people in our society or the, the 1% of our society in, in, the, in the armed forces who are – uh, you know, in the United States military, but, but I mean something totally different. And what I mean by this is in my book, I'm talking about the value of a meditation practice every day. I talk about the benefits, the scientifically based benefits of an affirmations practice so you can boost your confidence, the scientifically based methods of how to forgive other people so you can be at peace and live in the now. And, and also the scientifically proven benefits of a gratitude practice or a daily journaling or many different ways you can, you can practice gratitude every day to, to boost your happiness. Now, I've been doing a, ver- a variety of these practices for, for decades. And I started thinking, like, well, how hard is it to do this? How, when people say I don't have time, to, you know, like I want to do it, but I don't have time. It's like, well, how much time do you really need? And I started thinking about, well, what, what is 10 minutes out of the day? And I thought, and I actually did, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of a numbers guy. So, <laughs> so I thought, well, how, if 10 minutes is what percentage of your waking minutes every day? And if, you, if you're roughly sleeping eight hours a night, then that other 16 hours of the day, 10 minutes is almost exactly 1% of that. And I thought, okay, if you spend 1% of your waking hours every day in a practice of meditation, or affirmations, or a gratitude practice, or a forgiveness practice. And you do that for a whopping 600 seconds per day. That 1% of time you invest, which I call the magical 1%, that's going to make the other 99% of your day way better. Generally speaking, based on all the science, that 1% investment of time is going to make the other 99% of your day better. And that's even of your waking hours, let alone that you're going to sleep better at night have better dreams, have less insomnia, less anxiety, and, and have more restful sleep as a result of the peace that comes from that, that 10 minutes per day, which I call the magical 1%. I'll just stop there, Patricia. Does that, does that make sense? It does. And I was thinking in terms of why should you care is one of your questions that you have. Why should you care? Why, why should you care about this? And then you talked about the reason why you should care. Can you speak on that some more? It's like, why should you care about making 10 minutes 
of your day available for yourself. Right. Okay. So, so it gets to the, the, the benefits from these different practices. So, um, for example, when I talk about, so many people in our society suffer from stress, from anxiety, they're exhausted, they're nervous, they're scared, they're taking all sorts of tranquilizers and sleeping pills and, and, and what, what have you to deal with stress and anxiety. And meditation is a, is a practice that people have been doing for thousands of years, which uh, has been scientifically proven to calm the mind help people live right more in the present, right here and right now. So not hung up on something that happened a week ago that we can't change and not nervous about something that might or might not happen tomorrow that doesn't even exist yet. But the practice of meditation helps you be very good at just being right here and right now. And for some people that might be a a more traditional kind of prayer time. For others, it might be just focusing on their breathing. There's people who do walking meditations, walking in the woods, being in nature. There's a lot of different ways to practice mindfulness, and I go into detail on those different practices and also all of the scientific research on the benefits. So that's, that's why you should care in terms of meditation for reducing your stress and helping you increase the, the peace that you can feel so you can really be at your best every day. Uh, now, on the other hand, there's a different practice I talk about, which is affirmations which is how to train your brain for success. This is kind of like a brain hack, so to speak, but this has been scientifically proven because your brain will reform itself and reshape itself. It's called neuroplasticity. And this happens as a result of how you think about events, not just what happens to you, but how you interpret them, how you think about them. And we have an evolutionary uh, bias to be negative. And some of the research shows that about 80% of the time we tend to think negative thoughts, which is why we'll remember the person at Starbucks who was a jerk this morning more than the person at Starbucks who was nice this morning, because we tend to remember the traumatic things, the scary things, the negative things more than the positive things. But we can train our brain to focus more on the positive. And affirmations is, is a way to do that. Um, so those, and I can talk about forgiveness as well and about gratitude as well, but let me just stop there and, and check in with you and see if you have any, any comments or, or questions on what I've, what I just said. I agree with what you just said. The one thing that I read in your book and what drew me to your book, we connected on one of the social media platforms and you were in the process of designing your book cover. And I oh, remember yeah. the the book covers that you presented, and the one that spoke to me is the one that's on the cover. And I thought about how it made me think about beginning, starting over, or just the cycle of life itself. Mm-hmm. And when someone is faced with a trauma, a diagnosis of anything, and so for me, the reason why I like the platform that I have is because I want to talk to people about how they overcame difficult things in life and talk about the difficult things. And I want to thank you for definitely talking about the difficult subjects of prostate cancer, talking about the difficult subjects of cancer, period, and the difficult Mm. subject of getting people to find the time for themselves. Those are all key things because they all tie into one another. Is that, you know, not making enough time for yourself, not caring enough about yourself and being consumed with the 
cares of other things, other people, other situations, and you, you know, neglect yourself. Right. I want to, you know, thank you for bringing that full circle because ultimately what you basically said is that I'm worth at least 10 minutes of my waking time. I mm-hmm. owe that to myself. I, I should care enough about myself to give myself a minimum of 10 minutes. You know, I say, you know, if you can give yourself more, definitely more, but 10 minutes of intentional. This isn't just random time. This is 10 minutes where you're being intentional with yourself. You're not engaging somebody else. You're not in a group session. You're just with yourself. 10 minutes. This 10 mm-hmm. minutes is what you're saying, whether it's an affirmation, whether it's in meditation, whether it's in forgiveness, whether it's in tuning in to yourself by listening to your breath, your breathing. And I remember um, someone saying that when you wake up in the morning and you're still breathing, that's something to be grateful for. Yeah. And we have, what, 86,400 seconds in a day, 86,400 seconds in a day that we get to breathe. You know, and, and so we don't make ourselves breathe. I mean, we are breathing because we're still alive. And out of that time, giving yourself just 10 minutes a day to take yourself into another place where you can think, where you can actually focus on, okay, what do I need to do today? And, and there is, for me, I, I tie things into numbers as well, and I tie things into spiritual um, the aspect because for me it just reminds me of a passage that says you know take no thought for tomorrow because there's enough going on I'm paraphrasing there's enough going on today mm-hmm. <laughs> there's enough going on today for you to deal with without borrowing from tomorrow and that's something that I have had to address in my own life and it's sometimes hard to do but for the most part it's something that you can develop it's something that you need to develop, and you can fall off of it, but you can get right back on it. And I just want to thank you again for being on the show. Sure. I, I mean, you know, I use the word practice very, very deliberately. Um, it doesn't mean it's perfect. Uh, if uh, Patricia, may I ask, do you play any musical instruments at all? Do I play? Yeah. You said, do I play? I have a propensity, let's put it like that. I'm. What did you say? <laughs> it, it's practice means you're not perfect, but I practice at some things. I uh-huh. like. I do like instruments, and I do like to sing, and I do like to play. But you know, I would be much better if I spent time practicing. So I'm not gonna yeah. own that. <laughs> no, no problem. So you know, but like, uh, I mean, uh, may I ask, is it like piano, guitar? Uh, what, what I love I is. love piano. I love piano. I love drum, and like I said, uh, I love vocal. I love vocal. I, I love music overall. But those two things, I, I like percussion, and I like the um, and obviously the wind instruments. I don't play them, but I love the wind instruments and the string, like the harp. Uh, if if I could uh, discipline myself enough to learn how to play the harp, I would love to play the harp. I would forego beautiful. playing the piano. Everything, if I could just sit and play the harp, I think that is the most beautiful instrument. Well, well, whatever, whatever the instrument, whether it's the first time you sat down on a piano or even the drums, you know, you're, you're not going to be very good at it. Um, and it's going to take a lot of practice to get, to get better. 
But but if you just kind of keep doing it, uh, whether you're perfect or not, you will get better. And for something like for something like a mindfulness practice like meditation, um, you know, people and I do these. I lead a guided meditation often in the different keynotes and the the speeches and workshops that I do. And sometimes people say, "Oh my God, I've never meditated before. My mind's racing all over the place." And I say, "That's that's fine." That's fine. That's normal. Or that's kind of what our minds do all the time anyway. And now you're just kind of noticing it. Um, and, and just to notice that is like, oh, my God, I'm thinking about yesterday. I'm thinking about tomorrow. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. I'm angry about something that happened a month ago. That's the way our minds tend to be. But with, with a little bit of practice, you will get better at just noticing, oh, my mind's racing. But, you know, right now I'm fine. Right here, right now, I am okay. Yes, I'm angry for something that my ex-wife did 10 years ago. But, you know, right now, I'm fine. And if you, you, you see, it's a, it sounds like a very simple thing. Uh, and it is simple in a way. But the impact, the positive impact it can have on you is, is profound. And, uh, and, you know, I know people where they're angry for something that their manager did two years ago or a childhood trauma, and, I, and I, I, if I'm not mistaken, Patricia, you address this a lot in, in, in the show, uh, different sorts of traumas, and I'm not, a, I'm not a psychiatrist or a trained psychologist, but I, but I do know that a, a mindfulness practice can help you get to be right here, right now, even feeling the pain, instead of running away from it, you, you, you work through it, and it's in acknowledging that pain that you say, okay, this is a, this is the pain I feel, this is a this is a memory I have, uh, and you know it. All it is is a thought. But right now, right now, right here, right now, someone loves me. I love myself, and I'm okay, and I'm safe, and I'm grateful for that. And that can be the beauty of a of a gratitude practice as well. Does that make sense? It does, and that's another part of your book. After you were talking about the neuroplasticity and the neurons. And mm-hmm. tying it into the cellular level of the body, it's changing your cellular mindset. Really, it's, it's changing it at yeah. the very lowest denomination of who you are as a human being. And when you talk about gratitude, I love this. If you don't mind, I just want to quote this. This is um, in his book, and it says, finally, after he's gone through all of that, he transitions to the gratitude part. So now he says, I'd like you to think of someone you deeply, deeply love and who loves you in return. Think about that. Jim says, I'd like you to think of someone you deeply, deeply love and who loves you in return. Maybe it's your son or daughter or your spouse or partner or your mom or dad or a close friend. Think of how they've helped you. Think of how they've loved you and supported and cared for you, how they've listened to you and given you advice. Think of how they were there when you needed them. Can you picture them? He goes on to say, hear their voice, feel their touch, note their smell, visualize them in as much detail as you can, and notice how you feel. Notice how you feel right then, right now. You think of your love for them. Now think of another person you love deeply. See them, hear them. Think of how they've helped you and loved you. And you say that this is the process that takes us into the practice of gratitude. Now you talked about having a contentious divorce before you. You talked about the difficulties of 
getting the diagnosis and how you've approached that and how you have remained in remission after the diagnosis and your method of treatment that you chose and how you trained yourself and you disciplined, really disciplined yourself. And that, I believe, is significant and that's key to who you are and what you're doing right now. And if you get into Chapter 16 of his book, he talks about creating good habits. All of that's the precursor to creating good habits because, to me, what you just said, 10 minutes of your day, bringing that forward, then if you continue to do that, then it becomes what? A good habit. So do you want to talk about the the good habit? Yeah, definitely. So, so, you know, so many inspirational books have great research or inspirational stories or great suggestions, but they often, or even great writing exercises. And I, I try to have, make sure my book has all of those things, but sometimes you put down the book and it's like, okay, now what do I do next? You know, yes, I've been inspired, but how exactly do I change my life? Or if I'm supposed to behave differently, how exactly do I bring that into, into my daily behaviors? So I spent just a, a short period of time at the very end of the book, it's really just several pages, talking about the science behind how to build habits in a way that's, that's successful. And, and basically the idea is uh, if you can, for a lot of people, they think it's willpower to establish a new habit, but really it's much more about being reminded to do that. And so what I, what I encourage people to do is, is to figure out some way to remind yourself of what that new habit is. And for me, it might be just, you know, I use my calendar online to remind myself to do everything, appointments, you know, calling my stepkids, you know, I use my calendar to remind me to do everything. And so if you need to put in your calendar every day, uh, you know, even for 10 minutes every morning, make sure to practice the magical 1%, make sure to meditate, make sure to pray, make sure to do whatever it is you want to do. And that becomes that reminder when you look at your calendar. Then once you're reminded of that, it's a whole lot easier just to do it. And if you do that day in and day out, then you will establish a habit which will feel very natural. Now, I've been doing stretching and yoga every morning since 1987. I've never missed a day. And when I started in 1987, I didn't think, oh, I'm going to do this for the next 32 years of my life. I just said, you know, this feels pretty good. Let me just start the day doing this. And then I did the next day. And then I did the next day. And before I knew it, it was such an automatic thing. It felt great to do. I saw the benefits of it. And, and now I, don't, I certainly don't need to remind myself because it's just it's part of waking up. Um, now, the, the other important thing about building good habits is whatever your habit is, if you can layer a new habit on top of that, it's very easy. So if you can do something like, you can just say, you know, once I brush my teeth in the morning, I will spend three minutes writing an email to myself on gratitude. Or at night, after I brush my teeth and before I go to bed, I will spend three minutes writing in a gratitude journal on a piece of paper next to my bed of three things I'm grateful for from today. See, so you got a new habit, but if you layer it right on top of an existing habit, it's very easy to make that uh, part of your new routine. And yeah, it takes a little bit of time, but not much. And like we talked about before, the impact it has on the rest of your day is very powerful. 
then after that, it's kind of like almost it's up to you. What's next for you after you've done that in your 10 minutes and you're ready to face the other 90% of your day? Yeah. Then you can ask yourself, you know, the priority of what's next. Right. And, you know, for affirmations, which different people might have, I think people have a pretty good idea of it, but it's basically it's a first person present tense statement. It can be, I'm beautiful. I'm kind. I'm compassionate. I'm generous. I am loving. I am a great software engineer. I am a wonderful mom, right? It can be any of those things. Um, And the nice thing about doing an affirmation like that at the beginning of the day is that it, it's, it does start becoming automatic as, as how you think, like you said, the neuroplasticity, where your brains, the neurons in your brain literally change to reflect the messages that you, that you give to it day in and day out. So uh, if a person every day says, like one of, my, one of my affirmations every day is, today I'm the best husband I can be for my wife. Today I'm the best husband I can be for my wife. And then if my wife texts me and says, hey, honey, can you pick me up at the bus stop? Uh, it's cold outside. I don't want to walk home. You know, I, maybe I'm busy and I don't want to do it. And then I think, well, today I'm the best husband I can be for my wife. You know what, honey? Sure. I'll pick you up. It'll take 10 minutes. Not a big deal because that's what you need me for in this in situation. So the affirmations, they, you might spend the beginning of your day firming them up or being clear about how you want to be. But then throughout the day, they'll keep popping into your mind as a message you've given to yourself of how you want to behave. And it's, it's very powerful that way. Um, does that make sense, Patricia? It does. Now, you talk about a template um, that was derived from Dr. Fogg, and you say, after I, and in brackets, existing habit, I will, tiny new behavior. Would you model that template? Sure. So, yeah, so B.J. Fogg, he's a, he's a researcher associated with Stanford University, and his, this is sort of what we're, we're talking about of, of, of layering a new habit on top of an existing habit. So, for example, it can be uh, after I get home from work, I give both of my kids a hug and tell them that I love them. Or uh, after I take a shower and I'm ready to go to bed, I make sure to tell my partner one thing that I'm grateful for that, that he or she did during the day. Or uh, after I, um, uh, you know, or it could even be, you know, whenever I see a homeless person on the street or the first person, homeless person I see on the street today, I give them a dollar, right? So, I mean, these are just simple practices that you can do that become, that become habits. Um, and, 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 you know, it, it just depends on whatever is your regular routine, right? After I, after I get dressed in the morning, I make sure to uh, look in the mirror and tell myself that I look awesome and that I, I'm confident I love myself, right? I mean, it, it can be any number of things, but this is all ways to train your brain for success, to focus on the positive, because if we don't intentionally do that, we tend to revert to negative thoughts about, about 80% of the time, according to the research. So it's not so great to go through life thinking negatively 80% of the time. And so this is a way to develop your skill of thinking positively. And I think that um, 
the comment that you posted in your book about what Dr. Fogg said, he said, set the bar low. <laughs> yeah. And and set yeah. the bar so low, so low <laughs> that it's laughable that you don't get it done or that you can get it done. And he says, for instance, if you want to floss all 32 of your teeth and you find it hard, floss one. Yeah, just one. Uh, yeah, start out flossing one. And I was like, okay, wow. So set the bar really low beat. So it's basically being something that's realistic. And I know, like, in corporate America, we talk about smart goals. And, you know, yeah. it, it ties into that, you know, being specific, something that's measurable, something that you can achieve, something that's repeatable, and something that's timeless. And in developing a habit, and layering a good habit on top of a bad habit to the point to where you rewire your brain and your thought pattern about it, that you come out of it with that new habit intact. Yeah, and yeah, I like, I like that. I like to, so it's tiny yeah. habits. Yeah, that, yeah, BJ Fogg, the tiny habits, that's, that's very good. And, and, and throughout my book, you know, I really try to share some of the, the, the most cutting-edge research from a lot of the best thinkers and scientists in the world on, on all of these topics. I think sometimes people think, oh, yeah, this is some kind of hippie, new agey, California nonsense. But, and people can make fun of it and joke about it if they want, but, but, but there's very rigorous science from professors, whether they're at UC Berkeley, whether at Harvard University, Wharton School, uh, you know, some of the greatest researchers in the world are, are, are finding the science behind what a lot of us have known all the time anyway. You know, when I, when I got into sales selling phone systems door to door, you know, in the Bay Area here in the 1990s, and I had no money, and I really needed to hustle just to, just to make sure I could, you know, pay the rent. Um, I had this older saleswoman who worked with me, and she said, oh, Jim, you got you to do, you got to listen to cassettes. You got to practice your self-talk. And I started, it's like, wow, this, this is learnable stuff, you know, to, to keep me positive in the face of all this rejection. And, and I realized that, you know, driving to a meeting and saying, I'm having a great meeting, I'm having a great meeting, I'm having a great meeting, I'm closing that sale today. You know, you can, people can think that's silly or it's crazy or whatever, but if you want to make that sale and you want to be successful and you want to have a great day and you want to make your dreams come true, whatever it is, whatever you dream to be positive about your life, then this is how you do it. This is how you do it. And I like the fact that you're talking about starting out small. And I think that's one of the biggest detriments to a lot of people who want to make a change, we want to start out big, we want to start out fast and quick, and we want to get there. I mean, it's, yeah. it's that instant gratification, we just want to get there. And here you're saying just a small habit, just develop a small habit, set the bar so low that it's laughable, that it's so low, and at the same time, you're actually making a huge change in yourself just by starting with 32 teeth or however many teeth you have and, and flossing one, as an example, that's how low. Because if you go to your dentist and they say, okay, have you flossed? It's like, yeah, don't you see I flossed this one? <laughs> <laughs> and they're all like, the say, you know, I did notice a difference. 
That one that's, tooth. That's really funny. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give you another example, Patricia. When, when I started dating the woman who's now my wife, this was about six, six years ago, and and she said, you know, Jim, you, you don't have the kind of upper body strength, you, I, you know, and a man never wants to hear this from his girlfriend, right? I mean, I don't think I'm that bad anyway, but, you know, she said, you should do push-ups. I said, okay, honey, I guess what? Guess what? I'm going to do one push-up today after I'm done with my normal stretching and yoga, which I've been doing every day for the last, you know, 26 years or 30 years, I will do one push-up. And then the day after that, I'll do two push-ups. And then the day after, and I'll just keep on adding. And she said, no, that's crazy. Come on, you could do more than one push-up. I said, yeah, I know. But let me just start with one. Tomorrow I'll do two. The day after that, I'll do three. And pretty soon I was up to, what, like three sets of, uh, three sets of uh, uh, 25. And, and I kind of stopped at that. But, so that's what I've incorporated into my routine now. Um, and... I, did, I didn't try to do 50 on day one and injure my shoulder and then say, well, screw this. I, you know, I, this isn't going to work. You know, I started something very simple. And I think there are many things in life that are like that. They're little habits. You just get going. It boosts your confidence. You know, it's like, wow, I am disciplined. I can set my mind to something. And even though it's simple, I can get started. I can keep at it. And I feel good and confident and disciplined that if I can do these simple little things, I can also be disciplined about doing things which are more daunting, but I know how to start simple and just kind of get going. And it's a, it's a great feeling. It's a great confidence booster. I like it. I really do. I really, really do. And when you talk about your hopes for people that read this book is that they make similar gains and discoveries and that they invest the time to do the writing activities and get into living each day by investing in relationships, live each day by the work that you find meaningful, challenging, and fun so you can look back and have no regrets. Live each day by striking your ideal balance between pleasure and purpose and comparing yourself only to your best self and enjoying your journey. I just want to repeat that one because that one really, really resonates with me. Live each day by striking your ideal balance between pleasure and purpose, comparing yourself only to your best self, only to your best self. So not your worst self, but your best self and enjoying your journey. So I like that a lot because sometimes, you know, we go through periods where we're not our best self and we start comparing ourselves to other people. I don't like mm-hmm. that at all. And so I've always been competitive with myself. I, I want to outbest myself. But you just kind of mm-hmm. put it in a different way. It's like I, today I may wake up and I'm not my best self. So was I my best self yesterday? Then let me compare myself to my best self and see how much effort I need to put into repeating that or, you know, getting to that place again. I really, really like that. And you said live each day by practicing a magical 1%. Live each day and create your happiness. So from the bottom of Jim's heart, he wishes you abundant joy and success in your journey. I want you to basically tell people about your master classes, about your workshops, and I don't know if they're just exclusively for California or can somebody reach out to you, book you, for an event or overall, you know, what is it that you want to do with your best self 
in the days ahead. All right. Well, thank you. So, so I, uh, you know, the, the last year I spent writing my book and then I published it. It's called Live Each Day, A Surprisingly Simple Guide to Happiness. And I, I published that myself about two months ago. It became a number one bestseller on Amazon. People can get it in the ebook format as well as a uh, paperback all over the world, really. And, and in addition, uh, what I, what I want to do is take the message that happiness is a skill you can develop. Happiness is a skill that you can develop, and I'm sharing that message with people so they can see how they can do that through the meditation, for the affirmations, gratitude practice, forgiveness, and also a lot of questions in my book. And we haven't touched on this a ton, Patricia, but, you know, there's a lot of questions in my book where there's like writing activity number eight says, imagine you died today. How would you feel about the work you did in terms of compensation, lifestyle, impact, and meaning to you? So the, the book is full of all sorts of uh, exercises for reflecting on your life. I then encourage you to share your answers with someone you love and come up with an action plan for how to make very specific changes in your life. So the book, all of these came out of the workshops and the talks that I started doing about five years ago after I got my cancer diagnosis. So I've done, I've done workshops for large pharmaceutical companies. I've done uh, executive retreats for companies like, uh, like Amazon and, uh, and universities as well and large real estate companies like CBRE. So companies uh, book me and schedule me to do keynote talks or workshops anywhere from you know, a half an hour to a full six-hour six workshop where – I, I will look at what the needs are of the team or what the goals are for the people who are organizing the conference or the event. And then I customize my workshop in order to address those topics. And sometimes people, they'll say, our people are really stressed out. We need to help you share some of these, these ways to reduce the stress and the anxiety of our people. Or sometimes they say, we just like to help them feel a little bit more gratitude that they have in their lives and do something nice for them. So there's all different sorts of ways that I can customize uh, the material that I've developed over the last five and six years. Uh, And I do, I speak internationally, I travel internationally as well as here in the U S. So whoever's listening to this, uh, if they're interested, I'd be delighted for them to reach out to me and we can, we can talk about what we could create for your, your organization or your group. How would they reach you? Thanks for asking. So, <laughs> so first of all, my website is jimmccarthy.com. That's J-I-M-M-C-C-A-R-T-H-Y.com. And my email address is simply jim, J-I-M, at jimmccarthy.com. People can find me on LinkedIn uh, where I do a lot of blogging and uh, share different articles and excerpts from my book. Um, I'm also on Facebook, Jim McCarthy on happiness, uh, Twitter as well, um, Jim McCarthy MBA, and even on Instagram. But if you want to just start with my website, uh, JimMcCarthy.com, that's that's a great way to start, and then there'll be there'll be links from there to everything. And I really want to encourage you guys to go to his website because guess what? If you go to his website and subscribe, you get the first chapter free. So I really want to encourage you to yeah. subscribe on his website and to check that out because it is absolutely um, a really great chapter that he's giving away, really. And so all you have to do is go to jimmccarthy.com, subscribe, 
and you will get the ebook of that chapter. And then his book is available on Kindle as well. So those of you who have the Kindle app, what's the name of your book again, Jim? It is Live Each Day. That's L-I-V-E, uh, Each Day, A Surprisingly Simple Guide to Happiness. And I kind of think if you just Google Jim McCarthy, comma, happiness, or even Jim McCarthy, comma, TEDx, uh, I should come up there as well. Uh, and um, and I, I, yeah, so that's, that's, that's a good start. I'm always trying to, to get up there on the rankings. And, yeah, I, I hope people do come to my website and, and subscribe to the newsletter so I can send you the first chapter of the book, of course, absolutely for free. And that's, you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm checking the numbers here. I mean, that, that first chapter is, oh, I don't know, uh, maybe 1,000 maybe words. Uh, and the book is 70,000 words, roughly. So, it's one seventieth of of what I provide. So if you like that first <laughs> chapter, it, there's seventy times more of that. Uh, and and honestly, I, I I did a lot of very intense research so that I really knew what I was talking about. So the book the book has got two hundred fifty six endnotes citing all sorts of other research. So if if you like what I'm writing about, it's like oh wow, I want to find out more about the scientific research on um, on how to you know why are people depressed when they're in their late forties and why why do we think people get happier after that point onwards? I mean, there's a lot of very deep research that I uh, that I reference. So I'd like to think my my book is a great starting point, no matter how deep you want to go into these topics. Exactly. And Jim's first name is J I M. His second name is M C C A R T H Y. That is the beauty of social media, that's the beauty of the internet, and he said if you just Google Jim McCarthy, comma, happiness, you'll find him, and if you do Jim McCarthy, comma, TEDx, you'll find him, but for me, JimMcCarthy.com is a beautiful site that's been set up, and I hope you guys will go out there. Now, in terms of, I was looking at acknowledgement, and I think that um, your parents, you said Ed and Joan McCarthy. That's right. Have always loved and encouraged you even when they did not understand what you were trying to do. And right. <laughs> yeah. that is probably very transparent for you and your parents to say, you know, they loved me even when they didn't understand what I was trying to do. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I was very lucky. Uh, they, you know, they really raised me and the rest of my my brothers and sister well. Um, but there are times when I decided to study German in, in Austria, and they're, they're like, well, why, why do you want to learn German? And then I wanted to stay there and teach English in Germany, and they didn't understand that really either. And then I went to Mexico and then to Spain, and, and they just thought I was kind of like goofing off or they wanted me to get serious about my career. But I always I always had faith that, the jobs I was going to have in the future didn't exist yet. Uh, this was a, something one of my professors at the University of Iowa in my freshman year said, 1982. They said, hey, you liberal arts students, look, the, the jobs you're going to have 10, 20 years from now, they don't even exist yet. So relax, study hard. You're going to learn all sorts of stuff about analytical thinking, about communication, about writing. Um, and these will be skills that you can apply in your career for the rest of your life. 
and I've been very grateful to have a, a great liberal arts education. Um, and uh, so my parents didn't understand it, but I, I've, I've always tried. I know that when I've done work that I didn't care about, I was not very successful. And when I did work that I didn't care about, I, I got fired from one job. Um, but whenever I've done work that I cared about and was meaningful for me and I felt was unique and it was a unique impact that I could make, I was unstoppable. And that's a great feeling to have. So I, I definitely talk about that in detail in the book and come up with all different sorts of writing exercises related to career. And I definitely encourage the readers to uh, your listeners, the, the audience to, to check out the book. Cause I think they can find those are some very, very powerful chapters as well. And then you have an acknowledgement to your wife. Yeah. Stacy to my that? wife, Stacy. Yeah who has taught me more about happiness than anybody. Yeah, she's, she, she's kind of like a, a minor character in my book, I guess, because I keep on bringing her up when I, when I say, like, I'm impatient, just ask my wife, or I'm far <laughs> from perfect, just ask my wife. Um, but she's, you know, she's an amazing human being who, whose fa- family escaped to Vietnam as refugees in 1975, fleeing for their lives. Um, her, her mother passed away on the boat as they were as they were escaping the country and came to Los Angeles as as refugees and just really fought and struggled to try to survive as a family under heartbreak and, and pain and trauma and 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 things were very hard for many years for a, a whole set of different reasons as she grew up. But when I met her on our first date six years ago she was just the kindest, sweetest, most positive, optimistic person, despite all the setbacks and all the trauma in her life. And that's when I really fell in love with her immediately. And so for me, she's the best lesson I've ever had about how a person can be happier. And I think that that's really beautiful. I think that's really beautiful on both sides, you know, with your parents and with your wife, having them love you is is so key is that if somebody is loving you you can get through anything you can have to get through anything so i think that even the way that you approach your diagnosis for cancer and the way that you've decided to approach your life every day has a lot to do with the people around you and the people who've loved you and the people who've nurtured you and just let you know okay you know i'm going to love you no matter what I'm, I'm, I may not understand you, but I love you. <laughs> and I think that, you know, because sometimes people withdraw that love and, and love uh, becomes conditional. So I'm, you know, want to say a thank you is coming up on Mother's Day. Um, you know, thank yeah. you to your mom, to, you know, to your wife and everything like that for loving you when they didn't understand you. And we now have, guess what? Jim McCarthy living his best life, living his best life. And I, I think that this right here is something that you will lay when the time comes. You said on your deathbed, the question is, is that have I left a legacy? Do I have regrets? Have I made a difference? And I do believe that just based on where you've been thus far, that you have made a difference in people's lives. I know that I have been impacted by you know, my encounter with you on social media and now reading your book and also having the opportunity 
to interview you. It's been an extreme pleasure. And I want to thank you so very much for agreeing to be on Patricia Adams Live and where we are talking about overcoming life's difficult topics. And it's amazing to me because I like to talk to other people about how they've overcome. And it gives me an anchor. It gives me something to say, okay, you know, somebody else is going to hear this message and the audience, the demographic to hear this message anywhere in the world, anywhere in the world except for Mars. Mm. (laughs) This message can be accessed. It can be, well, maybe it can be heard in in Mars. I mean, we got satellites. (laughs) I don't know. But the, the, as far as demographics go, the numbers are, you know, reporting and people are listening all over the world. So I want to thank you all so very much for tuning in. For those of you who will be catching this broadcast after it has ended, again, live each day. And what is the subtitle to that? A Surprisingly Simple Guide to Happiness. Jim McCarthy at JimMcCarthy.com. Yay. Thank you very much, Patricia. Thank you. It's it's been a pleasure. You're a beautiful, beautiful human being, and I just want to thank you so very much for taking the time to come by, and most of all, overcoming. That's so important. So you know, your darkest times, you're overcoming it. And to say that I interviewed a Yahoo, a former Yahoo employee, number two fifty eight. Yay! <laughs> yeah, great. I'm a lucky guy. Yay! So. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so the the I encourage you guys to get the book, honestly, because I am digging my heels into the activities in this book, and I wish that there was a way that, Jim, maybe for the future, that you could extract the activities and set them up maybe as a workbook accompanying your book. Mm. Just a thought, just a thought. So, because it's, it would, it's a great thought, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It, it would make it really, I, I, really... I have, I have... Sorry, I, I have tried to des- design it so a person can take notes right in the book, or they can say, "Well, I don't want to do this. Let me just write this question on a in a Word document and then spend the next 20 minutes reflecting on the question." But uh, lots of different ways to do it. I'm always open to suggestions, Patricia. Yeah, for me personally, it's like I'm I love having my hands on and having that you know ability to have something open over here and then work on something over here. And mm. just, you know, be able to keep it because it's something that I would, if I was working on it, I would want to hand it down as a part of legacy. And mm. I just think that overall, um, you know, having the activities in, in a separate workbook and accompanying your book online, you know, um, as a different book, totally, totally different book, but as a handbook for, mm. for the book, I would, I would love to have it. I would absolutely love to have it. So I hope that down the road in the future that it will happen. But if not, you know, I will continue to plug away inside the one that I have. So, again, Great. thank you so very much. And you're welcome to come on the show anytime to talk about other areas that you'd like to promote and share with us your progress on any level. I appreciate it because we're going to floss one tooth at a time. <laughs> and and if I could just briefly say, Patricia, I, I know that you um, spent a lot of time and a lot of effort preparing for this interview, reading all of the book, 
beginning to end, which doesn't always happen. And, and there's, there's very well-intended people who, who interview me, but, but they don't always have time to read the book. So I know you did a, did a lot of work and effort to prepare for this, and I'm very grateful for that. And it was my pleasure. Thank you. It was a benefit to me. So I did myself a service by Well, that's true. Doing that's definitely work. true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it was yeah. uh, to my own benefit. So I thank you. And like I said, I'm going to continue to work my way through it uh, because definitely it's a lot to take in, but definitely there's a lot still to be done in the book. So this is a book that you will definitely want to have in your briefcase, in your purse, whatever, on your phone, wherever. But live each day, get it on Amazon, and also go to jimmccarthy.com. And check out that free chapter by subscribing to his newsletter. And once again, thank you again. And we will see you all back here to my audience, my listening audience. Thank you for tuning in. And we hope to have you join us again for our next installment of Patricia Adams Live, Overcoming Life's Difficult Topics. Until then, we'll see you next time. And remember, we're going to floss one tooth at a time until we get to all of them that are left. We may not have 32, but we're going to get to all of them that are left, and we're going to take this one day at a time. So God bless, God keep, and God strengthen. And um, hope to see you again another time, another place. Jim, thank you so much. Thank you, Patricia. Bye-bye. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.